This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, welcome in, everybody. Gorgeous day in the Palmetto State today and an even more gorgeous evening because we're here. It's Sports Talk coming to you from our Columbia Studios, Phil Kornblut and young Josh Cohen handling things tonight in place of Pat Daniel. Chris Bergen with us from the Cliff Ellis Palace over at uh, Coastal Carolina, the HTC Center basketball over there tonight. Got to be honest with you, Chris, I hate to plead ignorance. I don't even know who you guys are playing tonight. See, and that is how you're so plugged into basketball. That's why you have me. That's right. Keep everybody abreast. Well, somebody's got to keep up with the Sun Belt for us, all right? (laughs) It's Georgia Southern and two teams that don't have a whole lot to brag about from a win-loss perspective. Combined 11 victories between the two teams. However, when they met in Statesboro about a month ago, turned out to be a three-point game. So you get two teams that are sort of evenly matched. Should be a good one here. And Coastal trying to figure out a way to snap a three-game losing streak. Georgia Southern hoping to end a four-game skid yeah. heading into play tonight at 7 o'clock. That's what I say is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, understand. Yeah. Understand. Fascinating All right. stat, though, quickly, because I know we won't have much time to preview this, but fascinating stat about Georgia Southern that I'm not sure I've seen ever before. They have not had a player record a double-double, either double figures in points and rebounds, points and assists, points and turnovers, whatever, since February of last year. They are presently on a 28-game streak, which is tied for the nation's best, worst, however you want to phrase it, with DePaul. Mm. The last double-double they had was recorded by Andre Saversov back in February of last year against, you guessed it, Coastal Carolina. So just a bizarre stat for a team that's uh, trying to work in a brand-new head coach, had not won a game in non-conference play, now has five conference wins. So from a Sunbelt perspective, they're actually doing better than Coastal. Just overall, they're one win shy. Your game prep never ceases to amaze me. <laughs> Nothing. I can't take full credit for that. That's a Georgia Southern game note stat right there. Well, I'm saying you read the game notes. You get yourself prepared, so that's what it's all about. Meantime, yes, tough night for the Gamecocks last night in that uh, they played awful. They played awful. I could sense it. I could sense it. Now, you got to give Auburn a heck of a lot of credit. They played extremely well. Keep in mind, Auburn got beat by, what, 30 their previous game at Florida. So going on the road in the SEC, not an easy thing to do. But Auburn played extremely well. When your center steps out and hits four three-pointers, of course, he's not he's not um, immune to hitting threes. He had hit uh, at least one three in seven consecutive games going into that game last night. So he will hit the three. He hit four. They had another one. Williams hit five. They shoot 60-some-odd percent in the second half, over 50% for the game. They hold the Gamecocks to a low shooting percentage. Uh, this, the Gamecocks offensively, they just were – they looked like they were playing in mud. They just weren't moving. They weren't cutting. Now, maybe you have to credit Auburn's defense. Auburn um, 
they brought up their defense. They, they, they challenged the Gamecocks as they crossed the half-court line. They gave them no breathing room, and, and the Gamecocks just didn't respond. They didn't punch back. Auburn punched with their defense. The Gamecocks did not punch back with their offense. Um, the cutting, the passing, the second pass, even the third pass, nothing was crisp. It was a struggle all night for them on offense. They let Auburn – well, I'm not going to say they let. Auburn went and took South Carolina out of yeah. their offense and made them very uncomfortable. I guess the positive for the Gamecocks, Michi Johnson seemed to regain his shooting touch somewhat, had to force a few deep balls, but he shot the ball better last night, had his best offensive game in a while. Colin Murray-Boyles continues to contribute both in points and rebounds, but um, – you know, they didn't have DJ, uh, uh, B.J. Mack had a pretty decent game, not a great game, not the kind of dominating game that he's had. The things that they did well during their seven-game winning streak, they did very little of last night. They had one point, one point off their bench. So yeah. they got nothing from Jacoby Wright off the bench. They got nothing from um, Josh Gray off the bench uh, on down the line. Just, just didn't get anything. So – but you know what? They were playing a, a heck of a team. Auburn's really good. Obviously, they're well coached, and they're playing at home where, where even the Auburn guys were saying, you know, if Auburn played every game at home, they'd win the NCAA they're right. tournament. They're, they're just absolutely right. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It wasn't a crazy crowd last night, surprisingly, for number 14 against number 11. It was filled up, but it wasn't like they were standing on their heads like they will Saturday night when Kentucky comes to town. Well, and you look at Auburn, and we touched on this yesterday, of their 20 wins now, all of them have come by double figures. When they get their foot on your throat, they're going to stomp. And that's exactly what they did last night. South Carolina did nothing of what we said they had to do, get out to a good start, keep the crowd out of it. They were up early, but by the first media timeout, Auburn had already erased that deficit. And after that, it was Katie Barr at the door. They had to hit the three. They've got to make shots, and they were unable to do so. But on the flip side, when – the other team shoots 61% for the game, 60% from three-point range, and almost 90% from the foul line. Phil, you're not winning. They yeah. would have beaten the Celtics last night the way they were playing and shooting. And that's sort of what Lamont Paris said in the postgame. It was just one of those nights. There's a theory in basketball of the 30 games that you'll play. There are five when you play like Auburn did last night, and you're just lights out, and you're going to win. There are five that, like the Gamecocks played last night, you just had a bad night, you're not going to win. Your season is sort of dictated on those other 20 games, how you handle them. And that's why I think Saturday for the Gamecocks against LSU with a week off looming, that becomes to me, Phil, one of the biggest ball games of the year for the Gamecocks. Need to get back some of the momentum. You don't want to go into a week off on a two-game losing streak and people start saying, see, we told you this is the reason why they weren't ranked early in the year. They're probably not worthy of being in the top 25. They've got to come out and play better. I think they will, but they really need to attack LSU and win that game on Saturday. 21-4, and 9-3 are the Gamecocks. Uh, the loss uh, knocked them down uh, six spots in the net from 45 to 51. The net doesn't love the Gamecocks. From 45 to 51, still they're only a half game out of first. Alabama had their off week this week, so the Gamecocks only a half game back of Alabama tied with Auburn in the SEC race. Now Clemson. Nets net situation, then we'll move to Clemson. It constantly is telling me you've got to look good impressively because South Carolina was an underdog going into the game last night. They lost. That should be enough. But it seems like they get penalized 
when they lose games and get blown out. So it, it appears to me whether or not the net wants to agree with it, margin of victory has an impact both ways. Well, they were eleven and a half. They were eleven and a half point underdog. They got beat by forty. Right, <laughs> I mean, but I mean, it shouldn't matter, right? Yeah, the it, point total shouldn't matter, right? You know, it's funny. In theory, is, I, I wrote my story and I said in my story that the fifty points the Gamecocks gave up in the first half were the most they'd given up all season. Uh, and then they gave up 51 in the second half, <laughs> and I forgot about it and had to go back and add it to my story later today that actually now the 51 points in the second half, the most they've given up all season. Uh, Clemson, and we're going to talk to Brooks Thomason coming up at the bottom of this hour. Brooks, working for TigerNet, covered the game for us last night. and He can tell us more about what he saw, but Tigers uh, had a little bit of a roller coaster ride last night. They were up. They yeah. were down. Important for them as they were up at the end. They got real hot down the stretch. Uh, they got P.J. Hall more involved in the second half. Chase Hunter had a great game. And they pick up their third straight win impressively over Miami, 77-60. to 60. They move up three spots in the net to number 26. I thought, and first off, from Clemson's perspective, one thing we are starting to see, and I was talking to a buddy of mine who's a big Clemson fan, and he mentioned the same thing. Tigers are finding a way now to close out games. And their run at the end of the ball game last night, that was basically a tie ball game with, what, four or five minutes left to play? And then Clemson closes it out on a big run and wins that ball game. And the, uh, we were chatting last night about P.J. Hall only getting, what, three or four shots in the first half, and he had only scored two points or whatever it was. One. He had one shot in the first uh, half. One, yeah, that's right. And so we were wondering, well, I noticed on the TV broadcast last night, they were speculating that he was under the weather and looked like he was not himself in the ballgame. So that may have had some sort of impact on the way he played in the first half. He certainly came out and looked like a different P.J. Hall in the second half, and I think that's part of the reason Clemson was able to pull away and win. All right, so the Tigers are back home Saturday night against State. We'll hear from the coaches, and Brooks uh, Thomason will join us a little bit after uh, 6.30 to give us his take on what he saw last night at Little John. And we got some other news, but the big news of the day, it came out, I guess, uh, this morning. Sean Elliott returning to South Carolina as the tight ends coach. He resigns as the head football coach at Georgia State a couple of days into spring practice. Practically unheard of. Coaches get fired sometimes like that, but you seldom hear of them resigning. But I think he reached the point where he was tired of developing players and losing them to the SEC and the ACC. Uh, his record was just a smidgen under 500, but I think most people believe he did a nice job at Georgia State, got them to five straight bowl games, highly regarded. This is a home run hire. This is a home run hire for Shane Beamer because you get a guy who's been a head coach, you get a guy who can coach tight ends, you get a guy who can help you with your offensive line. He's going to coordinate the running game. He's a South Carolina guy. He's been there before. He's been a head coach at South Carolina before, interim, but he's been a head coach. I mean, that's a heck of a package to pull in here in the spring for Shane Beamer. I'll be interested to see. I imagine, don't know for sure, I imagine the Board of Trustees is probably going to meet tomorrow. They usually do this on a Friday and and do the contract. And um, I imagine it's going to be quite nice. I'm, I'm sure he's not walking away from what he was making He's not going to get as much, I wouldn't think, as he was making at Georgia State, but he's going to get a nice package at South Carolina, I would think. I would not be surprised if he actually elevates his salary going from Georgia State to South Carolina. I think that's part of the lure to come back home to the Gamecocks. But, Phil, just to me, the optics on this, and I like Sean Elliott. I think we all do. He's a native South Carolinian, good 
dude and a good coach. But leaving your team three days into spring practice, it just uh, that that leaves a bitter taste in my mouth, a little sour taste in my mouth. And he should know this because he was at South Carolina when Spurrier quit on the team and he had to take over. So he understands how a transition like that could affect the team. And just the timing to me, maybe there wasn't a better time and he felt like this was an opportunity he couldn't pass up and that may indeed be the case. And Matt Berry of ESPN, I think it was, tweeted out this morning, he had chatted with Sean at the uh, Senior Bowl and Sean Elliott sort of bemoaned the fact of uh, player movement and retention and certainly NIL opportunities or lack thereof at Georgia State as some of the challenges he's facing. It's the same thing we heard from Cliff Ellis here at Coastal, same thing we've heard from Gary Gilmore at, at Coastal, and I think we're going to start seeing this permeate its way across the landscape of mid-major basketball and certainly G5-level football until we get major changes on both of those. But you know, and Pat has always been the champion of, well, if the coaches can leave, I don't see why we should hold the players to a different standard. I'm starting to believe that, too. I mean, if coaches will bounce at the moment's notice and leave a head coaching job for an assistance job when spring ball is underway, I don't know how you can penalize nor be upset if the players do the same thing. Yeah. You might be right about that salary. He was making eight eleven at uh, Georgia State, 811000 mm-hmm. Uh, per year at, at Georgia State, according to the on three uh, coaching salary uh, database, and that's um, that's about middle of the pack in the Sun Belt. Tim Beck's making a million, John Summerall's making a million at Troy, and then it drops down to nine twenty-five for Sean Clark at Appalachian. Um, so yeah, he's about in that middle. So he might he might get a little bit of a bump. We'll see what happens. But regardless, good hire for uh, Shane Beamer, no matter how you look at it, because the other thing he's done is really aged his staff. When you look at the folks he's brought in, I mean, James Coley, he's an older coach with a lot of experience. Uh, Sean Elliott is an older coach with a lot of experience. So from that standpoint alone, he's really added some age and experience and knowledge to his coaching staff. So Good move. I mean, good hire. You can go out oh, and get no him. Question. And he got this done underground. Nobody knew this was coming down until it came out today. So, uh, really good hire there by Shane Beamer, bringing back Sean Elliott. That's a home run, win-win hire, no question about it. Okay, let's hit the phones, 888 We'll update some other notes. We've got the uh, selections for the South Carolina Football Hall of Fame announced today. We've got the leaderboard from the Genovese. Uh, Genesis, Genesis Invitational, where Tiger Woods is playing. Had a very average day for Tiger. Uh, And other things we'll pass along. Uh, USC women playing tonight at Tennessee. Keep an eye on that as well. 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number. The lottery is, well, technically $2 richer because of me, because I had $4.00. And I bought two $2 tickets, and I won $2. Well, so, hey, nice. Congrats. Well, it's a, it's a net loss of two for me, a net gain of two for them. But, you know, I do it for the thrill. I mean, I do it for the scratch-off, the thrill of wondering, is this the one? You know, am I going to match that number with this one? It's not. It's not. Yeah. Never going to. Well, it does happen. It does. I see, sure. I see, I see these, these – uh, locations that sell and they they got the signs in the windows hey so and so won $25,000 here it's a dream it's all a dream all right let's go to Gamecock Larry 
uh, joining us for the first time in about three weeks since the Gamecocks suffered a defeat. That was against Georgia uh, back in January. They lose last night. Gamecock Larry, they just didn't have it for you last night. No, but let me first let me say something to Chris. Chris, you, you said about Sean Elliott, but this was a personal move more than it was a coaching move. His family still lives in Columbia. He has traveled back and forth to see his family and be with his family and also coach Georgia State. He promised his daughter, his oldest daughter, that he would be home home for her final year of school, which is next year. He even thought about stepping down from coaching football for a couple of years. So, I mean, I know it was sudden, but if, if he had the chance to come back home, I don't blame him one bit. I'd have done the same thing. But you know me, I don't. I, I do all kind of crazy, all that, all kind of thing. Mm. But I'm glad we got him. I'm glad we got him. He's a guy that likes the bud heads with no helmet. Man, are we gonna be good? Hmm. But uh, let me tell you, I mean, I know I was, I was all enthused about that game last night, but you know, it it don't bother me one bit. I think it helped the game cost more than it hurt them. I mean, they was, you know, they've been reading a little bit of this social media and stuff, how good they were and how much improved. Gamecock Nation wasn't all that. So they needed a shot at, uh, they needed a kick in the tail like. Oh. So that's all right. That was we more than a kick okay. in the tail. That was a, oh, that was a bazooka. That was a bazooka well, up the razooka. Okay. That's what we, that's what they needed. But I'm going to tell you right now, Chris, I will give you LSU. Yep. And wait for it. 15 points. I'll give you LSU and 15 points Saturday. All right. Okay. All right. I love you, Chris. I love you, Chris. All right. Phil's here, too. (laughs) Phil's still here. All right. Thank you, Gamecock Larry. Now, Larry understands. Are you and Larry Valentine Day buddies or something? What are you? Gosh, he's all over me tonight. First off, I, I think Sean Elliott doing what he thinks is best for his family is fine. My point was the optics on him leaving during spring practice don't look good. Regardless of what he's, he thinks about the job, regardless of what you think about him, and I agree, I think it's a great hire for USC, and it's certainly obviously a great move for him personally. The timing's just bad, and I think he'd probably admit that, that the timing is bad when the team has already begun spring ball. I mean, one thing about, you know, if you left after spring practice or before, but they've already started spring practice and have had to postpone it, if not cancel it outright. And Tell the other what. side of the coin from a uh, – go ahead. I was just going to say, the man's a warrior. If he's had his family still in Columbia yeah, and he's no been doubt. in Atlanta, he's gone up and down I-20 probably a million times over the last – crazy. He is a warrior. He deserves a raise. He probably has got to have his suspension changed in his car from hitting all those potholes. <laughs> 
coming through Georgia. I just made the trip today coming back from Atlanta. And, uh, boy, that's back and forth up and down that road. That's mind-numbing. Of course, he probably ties in a lot of recruiting and stuff like that with it. But, yeah, this is if this has got you know, his family uh, you know, uh, bringing him back home. He gives up being a head coach to become an assistant. But how much a – I mean, I still think, too, that the, the changing nature of the game might have something to do with it, too. I mean, you've he seen said him as much, evidently. Yeah, he you've seen him. Too. You've seen him do it. You've seen you've seen uh, Chip Kelly give up a head coaching job at UCLA to become a, a coordinator. You've seen guys leaving to go to, leaving the head coaching jobs to go back to the pros. So yeah, I mean, this is obviously home for him. But I tell you what, I tell you what, um, I, I don't know how ads would view this. You know. You, you leave your team a couple of days into spring ball, you leave your AD hanging. Right. Uh, their AD is from South Carolina, Charlie. No, oh, Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. Offensive lineman from Brooklyn, Casey, uh, played at Appalachian State. Charlie, Charlie. Anyway, you've left your AD in a really precarious situation. So my point is, if he has any desires to be a head coach again, you know, what's an AD going to say to him about, man, you, you left your team a couple of days into spring ball. I, I know you got family and this, that, and the other, but you could have done that back in December. Right. That's you sort know? of my point. It's Charlie Cobb, by the way. Charlie Cobb, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, sort of my point is the timing. And, and this job clearly was not available back in December either. Well, All that's true. All these dominoes started with Jody, Jody Wright getting his head coaching job at, you know, his head coaching opportunity to move on and leave that tight ends position open. And ultimately it works around where – Elliot can take this opportunity. I just think, and again, uh, Shane Beamer's got to go do what he thinks is best, as does Sean Elliott. I applaud him for that. I just think from a PR perspective, as you pointed out, the timing could have been a little better. All right, back to the phones in just a second. Jerry Palm, CBSSports.com, his new bracket out just a little while ago. South Carolina's a four seed to play South Florida in Salt Lake City and Clemson a five seed to play Samford in... Pittsburgh. All right, there you go with that. Uh, we go to Ron in Greenville. Ron, good evening. Welcome into Sports Talk. Hey, buddy, what's going on? How are you? Well, pretty good. I thought I had to call in because when you call in, you get to listen to the show. And up here in uh, Greenville, we can't hear the show on Thursday because of, uh, yeah, whatever. Players. By the way, Ron, whatever you got playing in the background, need to turn it down because it's overriding you. Having oh, a hard, really? Okay. Having a hard time hearing you, whether it's TV or something's playing in the background. If you can turn that yeah, down, TV. much better, much better. Yeah. You mean you got me to turn down Judge Judy for you? <laughs> wow. Hey, my opinion's the only one that counts. I hear you. That's Judge okay, Judy. Well, no playing Pat. Go ahead. Uh, next, what, what do you think uh, South Carolina be? you think they'll drop out of the top 20? No, because I think they'll beat LSU Saturday. They should. LSU's a, a poor team. They should get their stuff back together. So I think they'll win that game. That'll be 22 wins, 10 in the league. Uh, they'll drop, you know, probably, depending on what else happens around the top 25, uh, they'll drop probably to about, 16 or 17, I would say. Maybe 15 if they're impressive on Saturday. But I don't think they'll drop out of the top 20. Well, let me ask you this. If you lose to Alabama by 30-something and to Auburn by 40-something, 
you think you deserve to be in the top uh, 20? Not in the state of Alabama, you don't. Not if you're in the taking a, a poll in the state of Alabama. <laughs> I mean, there are two worst games of the year were in the same state, Alabama and Auburn, uh, to this point. Right. But Alabama was right. a top uh, – when they played Alabama, Alabama was like a top 10 team, I think, and they're still yeah. in the top 20. And Auburn is obviously a top 15 team. So they're not playing bad teams when you go into the state of Alabama. Right. Now, tomorrow, uh, Clemson plays – Xavier in baseball. Who does South Carolina play? Miami, Ohio. Okay, and that's at four o'clock. Yes, sir. Okay. Phil, I appreciate it. Y'all have a good night. All right. Thank you, Ron. We got the starting rotations for South Carolina, Clemson, and Coastal. We'll share that with you. Final thoughts, Mr. Chris? No, I just want to make sure Game Cock Larry's okay, so I'll get off the uh, off the show and he can enjoy a Chrisless. <laughs> rest of the night. (laughs) We don't like that, but you go enjoy your broadcast. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Be right back after the break. We are back on Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network, talking basketball, looking back at South Carolina. Auburn last night, not much of a game there, but at Little John Coliseum, Terrific win for Clemson as the Tigers went back and forth for a while with Miami before spurting in the latter parts of the game and pulling away to a, a convincing win over the Hurricanes. Brooks Thomason from TigerNet covered the game for us last night. He joins us here on Sports Talk. Brooks, great to have you with us. What's your takeaway from what you saw of the Tigers last night? Uh, the Tigers last night, it was a back and forth between Miami and at the first half, it was the story of what's happened to Clemson all season is they jump out to an early lead, which was a seven-point lead, 31-24, and they just went on a little scoring drought of three minutes to close the half and ended 31-30 in the first half. But the main takeaway was the guard play. Joseph Girard III had 18 points with 10 of them coming in the first half, leading all scores in the first half. And Chase Hunter, man, he was an absolute problem mm. in the second half. About 10 minutes in, he went on a 7-0 run by himself, um, six minutes left. He went. He had two crucial three-pointers near the end, and the Tigers closed on a 21-3 to run, which gave him a 17-point victory, which if you looked at the score, they were down five with about eight minutes left to go. I've been that big for Clemson. Yeah. In terms of Chase Hunter, six of 14 and five three-pointers for 20, so he was dialed in last night. He must have been very comfortable out there. must have been uh, really in his element out there last night. Yes, sir. It was a season high for points, three-pointers made, and three-pointers attempted. And I talked with Chase after the game, and he said it feels really good to finally have to be able to open the game like that. And Brad Burnell talked about his scoring as well, saying once Chase can score on all three volumes, there's not a better guard that you can find out there. Chase Hunter is not only good effectively distributing the ball, but his scoring was elite last night. He could hit three-pointers on the hesitation. He had a corner three on the catch-and-shoot. Chase Hunter was an absolute problem for Miami stop last night. And when I spoke with him about the three-point volume as well, he said that they didn't expect that he would take that many threes. But once he saw them going in in the second half, he just had to keep taking them. Yeah. Shocked at halftime when you look at the box score, and P.J. Hall, I think, took only one shot in the first half. And then, of course, he picked it up in the second half. He was four for nine from the floor overall, two for five from three, gave it the typical P.J. Hall kind of game. What was the difference 
in the first half with him not getting any looks? Was that because of how they were defending him, or he just was just wasn't looking to be offensive minded? And then second half, Clemson made some adjustments, or he just became more offensive minded. Well, Phil, you kind of hit on both points there. I would say the wing play from Miami, they came and helped and trapped P.J. a little bit, and the, th- the amount of three-pointers taken in that game. I think the first five minutes, there's already 13 three-pointers taken by both teams, which is a crazy, not even a high mark for three-pointers, but the efficiency and how fast-paced the game was really didn't step for P.J. He was one-for-one, one and he was one-for-one one from three in the first half. But he, had, he was trying to look a lot into the post. The wings would come double, and that's why you'd see open threes from Gerard, from Chase, you even saw uh, Josh Beadle attack the rim. Like, the guard play was just how the game opened up. So, P.J. didn't need to play that dominant offensive role like he usually does. All right, Tigers now have won three in a row, moved up a little bit in the net. Uh, their position for the NCAA tournament looks good in terms of what the, the experts are saying. And now NC State comes to Little John for a 745 tip on Saturday night. Based on what you heard from the players and from Brownell after last night's game, What's what's the feeling among those guys about how they are playing right now uh, with another big one coming up against NC State? Well, he loves, first of all, he loves that the guards to last night were getting involved as well. And I talked to him about P.J. Hall, and he said it, it was a little concerned that, you know, he only took one shot, especially for a star like that. But it's great to see that it's your supporting cast, especially in these latter stages of the year, that you don't have to rely on P.J. Hall and to get that volume. Um, with NC State and Clemson, you have – both returning players or transfer players and Jack Clark and Ben Middlebrooks seeing to see their former teams, Ben Middlebrooks transferring from Clemson to NC State and Jack Clark transferring from NC State to Clemson. When I asked Brad, Brad Rennell about NC State and can Jack Clark give him any informa- information, he said, no, not really. They don't really come knocking on our door to give us any nugget of information. We already do a lot of work. So Brad wants to get PJ back involved, but he wants to see the guards as well also carry the momentum into NC State. All right, big win for Clemson last night. Brooks, thanks so much. You'll be on uh, the scene for us Saturday night when the Tigers take on NC State. We'll talk to you again. Appreciate it, man. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for having me tonight. All right, Brooks Thomason working with TigerNet, now working with us, the Hoods, David and Nikki with TigerNet. They were off on a little Valentine's night, uh, shall we say, uh, dinner, I guess or whatever else they might have been doing on Valentine's night. So they weren't at the game, but uh, Brooks was there and uh, did a great job for us, both on our our X page and the story on our website, sportstalksc.com, and he'll be doing more. One thing he does, you know, he's a student at Clemson, but he's very entrepreneurial. Hey, I got that word out, entrepreneurial. He covers the Atlanta Braves for an outlet. He covers Major League Baseball, so we may tap into him for that with the upcoming baseball season. Uh, Basketball tonight, of course, you heard Chris talking about the game with uh, Georgia Southern, Coastal Carolina, USC women playing at Tennessee, College of Charleston tonight playing at Northeastern. You got Winthrop at Radford tonight. Uh, Big Ten, Northwestern at Rutgers. Man, see if there's anything else out here of interest. Usually there's a pretty good uh, game on the West Coast Thursday night. In the Pac-12 game, let's see if we got one coming up here later on tonight. As I scroll through, and there we go, Stanford-Washington, not necessarily a good game, but uh, Colorado-UCLA, not necessarily a good game, but that'll be on the West Coast tonight. NBA All-Star Weekend uh, begins tomorrow night. They're in Indianapolis for NBA All-Star Weekend. And the Daytona 500 coming up 
this weekend. On Sunday, they got the dual races tonight, the dual qualifying races. Don't forget, you want to go to the Darlington Raceway watch party at the Mellow Mushroom in Florence on Sunday afternoon. They will welcome you. We'll be glad to have you there. Okay, uh, we're going to hear from the two head coaches in a little bit, Brad Brownell and Lamont Paris, about their team's um, for the Gamecock standpoint, their loss, and for the Tigers' standpoint, their win. Oh, the uh, Genesis Invitational, Pacific Palisades, California, the Riviera Country Club, and your leader right now is Patrick Canley, 7-under-64, Cam Davis, 6-under-65, Luke List, 65, Jason Day, 65, Tom Hoagie, 5-under-66, Jordan Spieth, a 66, and Will Zalatoris, a 66. That's the top of the leaderboard. And some of the others, Scotty Scheffler is on the course at minus 3. Lucas Glover, 2-under-69. Rory's on the course at minus 2. Ricky Fowler's at minus 1. Colin Morikawa is even through 14. Fowler, by the way, is playing the 18th. We've got Justin Thomas, a 72 plus 1. Tiger Woods, plus 172 for Tiger as he makes his debut on this season with his new uh, tailor-made attire, I guess it is. His uh, own brand, working with tailor-made or working with whoever it is that's making his, his threads for this year. Looking at his card, um, obviously wasn't a great day for him. He birdied number one. He bogeyed two and three. He birdied four. He birdied six. Then bogey at 10, birdie at 11, bogey at 12, bogey at 15, and birdie at 17, and a bogey at 18. Uh, I guess he started on number one, so he won't sleep well finishing his round with a bogey. 34 out, 38 in, 72 for Tiger Woods. Good to have him back, though. Anytime Tiger Woods is playing, it just makes it all the more better. I don't care what you say. Having Tiger Woods out there is better than not having him out there. All right, let's go to uh, Hank in Columbia. With us next here on Sports Talk, Hank, welcome in. How are you, sir? Uh, doing fine, Corn. Um, you know, I, I, I thought you had still had your subscription to the state newspaper. I do. You don't remember the, you know, when you were talking, the guy was calling earlier about the Elliott thing. Mm -hmm. There was a story that they did last fall where Sean Elliott had their morning, their Thursday morning practice at Georgia State, drove, uh, and they showed him, it was a Thursday night game Florida was playing, Mm -hmm. and they showed him filling water bottles from the sideline, like the cheerleaders. Well, and he was going to drive back after that night after the game. He's a warrior. Because they had a game on Saturday. <laughs> Listen, I have my subscription. I didn't say I read it, but I do have my oh, subscription. Okay. <laughs> I do try to read it when I can. Uh, yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, that that fact slipped past me that he still had his family here in Columbia, which is very interesting because it's not like he went to Atlanta for just uh, – for a year and left the family behind and and then they followed. No, I mean, he, they stayed behind the entire time, which was which was hey, very he interesting. Was, he was you would spot him over the weekend after like a day again on Saturday. He was coming home and spending um, you know Saturday evening or Sunday here. Anytime they had an off 
week or, or during the offseason, he was always back in Columbia. So mm. you would spot him. I think when he had a kid that was playing at floor, um, along with the daughter, maybe a son or something, that was on the JV team. Yeah, that's right. And he's got a he son was, playing football. Yep. Um, who knows? His son might develop he, into a into a player. But I got to think, you know. And he was hauling. He was doing what he needed to do. So I, I, I've, I've seen that before. I think I don't think that's going to kill him going forward because if you read the article out of the Georgia release, the administrators. They all completely understood um, this situation, and they kind of lauded him for, you know, you know, something. You have your child; you only have a child for that. Your child's only a senior, junior once. True, I get it. I get it. I understand. You that. don't get it back. You don't get it back. Now, some people have bypassed that, and then later in life, they realize the child was held hold, held them for it. Well, so. I mean, I get it. Um, it's still tough, though. I mean, you're. You're asking players to make a commitment, and you got your own family commitment going on as well. I get that. Um, Mm -hmm. You waited until you had an opportunity to move so you could still be employed and have a chance to be close to your family. I get that. But, I mean, you know, you do have a family back there. You do have a family and a commitment back there at Georgia State. I can't think of a worse time, really, for a head coach to leave a team unless it was like – in the season, like Steve Spurrier time. did, you know, like Steve Spurrier walked out mm-hmm. during a season. I mean, that's pretty bad. But here you are with high hopes for a new season, and you, you're starting spring practice, and you're a couple of practices into it, and all of a sudden, you know, you got this other opportunity, and, and you up and leave. I, I I understand the family part. Don't get me wrong. I get that. So not well, being on, judgmental. Reason, I'm just saying it's tough. Reason, As Chris was saying, it's yeah. it's tough on those guys yeah. you leave behind. Yeah. From reading the the kind of the – Stuff from the Georgia State area, the Atlanta, some of those people that were writing stories on it. It seemed like, you know, he was going to take the team through. There had been some discussions, and it seemed like he was really going to take the team, you know, fulfill, you know, he's still the coach throughout the year. He was going to take them through spring and all that, and and maybe they have seeded off of one of his assistants or something that there was some discussion that, you know, he may finish, you know, he was going to finish out the school year, but he may step away. Mm-hmm. And then this comes up, and, you know, sometimes these things that are bad timing, the bad timing comes at the point that this is the only time that opportunity is there. Right. I'm, I I imagine that, uh, in his case, the opportunity to come to South Carolina because of the family, because of his history with the school, because of maybe the deal they could present him with, too great an opportunity to pass up. You know, you got too many things coming together that maybe he didn't expect, and you know maybe Charlie mm-hmm. Cobb was maybe Charlie Cobb was good with it, and everybody's fine well, with he, it at Georgia State, and they'll find somebody else and move on. Well, they got a quote from Charlie Cobb, and he talked about he understood this and it being more family than just jumping at a an opportunity type thing. Mm-hmm. And you know that you know sometimes you know that travels people people when they know you and they know their pedigree. If you were to get back into something. And your children away, that's something. But, you know, we've seen coaches step away for you – know, I mean, we've seen coaches step away and sell insurance for a couple of years to see their, their kids' senior year. And, you know, and that's a big part of Muschamp um, leaving the position he had at Georgia. Yes. Was, um, you know, was the deal, you know, he had, his kids are only going to compete at that level for a couple of years. Yep. All right, Hank, thank you very much, so, man. We appreciate right. it. Good hearing from you. Get ready for the USC women and – Tennessee tonight over in Knoxville. 
Phone number, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. Got some lines open now. If you'd like to join us, we'll come back from the break. We'll continue with your phone calls here on Sports Talk. And we'll go over these rotations for the weekend. Also got the names from the South Carolina Football Hall of Fame of their new class of inductees. They announced those guys this afternoon. Talk about that coming up after the break. When trouble comes like the accidents do, we all get sick and the bills pile too. There's only one number that can help see you through. And if you're healthy, here's what you should do. Call 605-7905. That's the number that you need to know. 605-7905. Zero dollar deductible. What's a deductible, you say? That's the price you have to pay before the insurance will say we'll help you. They keep that number out of reach because they know that you won't reach that number because they know you're healthy. 605-7905. Zero dollar deductible. 605-7905. 727 is the area code. Hi, this is Billy Downer from the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. Are you looking for a safe place to shoot your rifle or handgun? Did you know that the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources operates four manned ranges across the state in Pickens County, Spartanburg County, Richland County, and Charleston County? For more information on our public ranges, visit dnr.sc.gov backslash shooting. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. All right, coming up to the uh, top of the hour here on Sports Talk. But we have time for more calls, 888-898-2525. Lines are open if you want to jump in and comment on anything we've talked about so far tonight or anything else that you want to bring up, some other news notes of interest. So the uh, the pitching weekend looks like this. And we're going to have, um, have, I mentioned, College of Charleston coach Chad Holbrook's going to be with us at uh, 735 to talk about his team. They open up against Marshall. And tomorrow, they'll start Jake Brink, Saturday, Aiden Hunter, and then on Sunday, Connor Campbell. 
Those are your starters there for the Cougars. For the Clemson Tigers, tomorrow, Billy Barlow. Saturday, Tristan Smith. And Sunday, Aiden Canock. Canock's a freshman. Come right in and earned a start in the rotation. He's a righty. So Tigers going righty, lefty, righty against Xavier to open the weekend. Coastal Carolina will go, and I think uh, we had this with Coach last night, They'll go with Elkoff on Friday, Meckley on Saturday, and Lynch on Sunday. And then South Carolina, South Carolina's rotation will be Eli Jones tomorrow, Dylan Eskew on Saturday, and Roman Kimball on Sunday, weather permitting. All right-handers going for the Gamecocks. And two newcomers to that rotation in SQ and Kimball. And people will be interested to see how Kimball looks. Did not pitch last year because of Tommy John after the transfer from Notre Dame. And Eli Jones, how improved is he? He was very good last year. Man, how much has he picked it up? So those are your starters for the Gamecocks for their series against Miami of Ohio beginning tomorrow. Some other notes. Had the story last night from Chapel Fowler of the state about Devontae Capehart of Clemson away from the team after being arrested last week for unlawful possession of a firearm on school property. We talked about that story a lot last night. Uh, Tiger Illustrated Larry Williams reported on his website last night based on his information pretty much much ado about nothing. And he, from what he's told, looked for Capehart to be back on the team and participating in drills by next week. The weapon in question here was not K-Parts. It was in the trunk of the car. He was driving, not loaded, and, I mean, apparently just just one of those things. You know, he got pulled over for something else, traffic violation. For some reason, the the cops wanted to search his car. Now, why did they search his car? Did they have? Don't you have to have some sort of reason for doing that? I mean, I believe me, I have. Probably thank goodness, because, I've never been in that situation. Yeah. You know, I've had my share of speeding tickets, but they've never wanted to search the old car. They wouldn't yeah. find anything—a jack and basketball and basketball shoes. You know, from when I'm tearing it up in the gym, a couple of jackets, um, box of Kleenex, phone. Yeah, I mean, they have to have probable registration, cause. Registration, registration, so. proof of insurance. Yeah, probable cause, yeah. yeah wonder I, what the probable cause was, you know, in yeah. this case. I don't know. I guess it'll come out eventually. But, again, according to Larry Williams, he'll be back on the team, according to his information, back on the team by and participating in team drills by next week. So, and, of course, we uh, related this to the incident at South Carolina last year where there was a uh, a weapon on – on campus inside the dorm and it cost three players it cost three players their scholarships at south carolina same situation different situation i don't know i mean you can you know that that weapon that was involved with the south carolina case was i don't think it was loaded and it was just being shown off i think to people don't think it was being used in a threatening manner. Um, it belonged to one person, 
believe it belonged to Anthony Rose, I think. He was the one, I think, who was charged. But then you had Montague Rames uh, allegedly put his hands on the weapon and toss it out a window to keep it from being um, seen in the room as, I guess, the police were coming up there. Somebody called and said they had this weapon. And then you had uh, Cameron Upshaw, who was in the car waiting for the guys, uh, I guess, and they got in his car and they drove off. So all three of them got caught up in this thing, and it cost them their scholarships at South Carolina. cost them their careers at South Carolina. So that's too bad. That's that's really too bad. The over-under for win totals from Bet Online for this coming season, Clemson at 9.5, South Carolina at 5.5. What are you taking, the over or the under for these two teams? Clemson 9.5. Gamecocks, five and a half. Uh, Clemson, I mean, again, you throw in a, a bowl win. I think I would take the over. I think they can get back to 10 wins. I don't think they'll run the table right now. May lose to Georgia to open things up. Around the rest of the ACC, who else is going to be? I mean, look, Florida State was great last year. Too bad they lost their quarterback. Starting over at quarterback. Clemson will have a an edge there. Of course, they're starting over with DJ Uyangalale. Does that put fear into Clemson? A guy that y'all pretty much ran off at Clemson. Now he's going to be playing for your strongest rival in the ACC, but does that put fear into you? North Carolina's going to have to start over at quarterback. Now, NC State. Grayson McCall at NC State. That could be lethal in the ACC. That could be lethal. I keep an eye on NC State. Gamecocks five and a half. They'll easily top that. Take the over. Be right back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Okay, we're back. It's Sports Talk. Camilla Cardosa is back, and she hit her first shot of the game after returning to the Gamecocks after being away for two games with her Brazilian National team in the Olympic qualifying tournament, and South Carolina has an early 2-0 lead. That's been their only made bucket. They're 1-4, for while Tennessee is 0-3. for They're off and running at Thomas Bowling Arena there at the University of Tennessee. And we're off and running. Hour number two and the phone number, 888-898-2525. No Mike Morgan tonight. He'll join us tomorrow night. Coming up, we'll hear from Brad Brownell and Lamont Paris, and then Chad Holbrook at the bottom of this hour, get the preview of the College of Charleston baseball team. For those of you just joining us, boy, you missed a fantastic, a fantastic hour. Went over a lot of news, talked about the games last night, talked about Sean Elliott joining the South Carolina coaching staff. What a great hire that is for Shane Beamer. I think you got to give Beamer a lot of credit for um, making the moves that he's made. One, of course, the only move that he made was – Firing Monterio Hardesty as the running backs coach. Uh, a movie, obviously, he felt that needed to be made. Everything else happened because of Jody Wright becoming a head coach. That opened up the tight end position. And then he hires James Coley. 
to come in, and he moves Justin Stepp to tight end. James Coley takes over at wide receiver. And that's a very good hire because of James Coley's background, his history as a coordinator at a high level. He can coach tight ends. He can coach receivers. And he's an, he's an older head as well. And then you end up losing Justin Stepp, who leaves for Illinois. That opens up the tight end position again. And you end up hiring Sean Elliott, veteran, veteran head coach, veteran assistant coach, South Carolina native, Camden kid. Um, excellent coach in every every way you can break it down on the field, in the locker room, in the weight room, on the recruiting trail. He checks all the boxes. So good pickup. Uh, you know, yes. I I mean, you look at the overall picture. To me, you look at the overall picture, and it certainly looks like. Oh, and of course, let, let me not forget the the hiring of the new special teams coach as well who comes from uh the NFL because of the departure of um uh how quickly we forget but the opening they had in their special teams uh position um and they go out and hire a, an NFL guy to come in and fill fill that role a guy with um uh, Joe DiCamillis, a guy with a, a ton of experience and, and a great background to replace Pete Limbo. Sorry about that. So Pete Limbo, you lose him, but you hire a guy who's been in the NFL all these years with uh, a reputation, really, for special teams as high as Limbo's. So, yeah, I think I think Shane Beamer should uh, he he gets he gets a big blue check mark here, a big garnet check mark for everything that he did. I think in um, replacing the guys that he had to replace on his coaching staff. So that's a lot of movement in one off season, but I think he did a really good job of filling in those spots with, with veteran coaches. I mean, the average age of that coaching staff probably went up about just off the top of my head because, I mean, uh, DeCamillis is no youngster. Uh, neither is Corley. When I say youngster, I don't mean they're in their 80s, but I think, you know, They've got a lot of they've got a lot of tread worn off the tires. Uh, Sean Elliott, you know, is no um, no spring chicken either. Been around a long time, so it gives them an excellent mix there on the on the offensive side. A bunch of veteran coaches um, with a lot of NFL experience. If these guys can't coach up the Gamecocks and improve them in the areas where they need improvement, then I don't know who else can. Uh, this might be one of the best assistant coaching staffs when you think about it. When you think about on the offensive side now, you know, Lonnie Teasley, last year was his first year, so I think the verdict is still out on him. And the offensive line had its struggles last year, no question about it. Maybe Sean Elliott can help out some in that area while he's coaching the tight ends too. I mean, you'd be, it'd be foolish not to rely on his expertise as an offensive line coach to help out in some way. Um and now you have Elliott coaching uh, tight ends. Uh, you got a veteran Corley at wide receiver. Uh, of course, you got Dowell Loggins back coaching uh, quarterbacks, offensive coordinator. He's a veteran, a lot of NFL experience. Um, De Camillus, a veteran guy coaching the special teams. Now, defense remains, as a coaching staff, remains in place. So happy, he must be happy with what uh, he's got over there on the defensive side. And I think he should be. I got no problem with Clayton White. I think Clayton White does a good job 
um, organizing his defense, uh, calling his defense, making uh, the adjustments when necessary. Uh, just needs um, he needs better pass rushers. They think they got that this year in the offseason, in the transfer portal, John, and the guys returning. Got to have more pass rushers because they were really bad in that department last year. And, uh, you know, same defensive line coaches return. And, of course, um, Gray returns back in the in the secondary. So, got everybody back on the defensive side. So, they should, from that standpoint, with better players, veteran coaches back there, returning guys who know their, their system, they should be better on the defensive side as well. That's why I think it's kind of foolish that five and a half over under for South Carolina for this coming season. I mean, I think they will obliterate that. Um, of course, they were they were five and seven this past season, so they actually finished under it. But when you look at the schedule, should beat Old Dominion, should beat Akron, that's two right there. Should beat Vanderbilt, that's three. Should beat Wofford, that's four. Those are your four. I hate to say gimmies, but those are the four that you have to win. Now. Where are you going to go out and earn some W's? I mean, at Kentucky, could go either way. LSU could go either way. Probably be an underdog at home. Ole Miss at home, probably be an underdog. At Alabama, underdog. At Oklahoma, underdog. Texas A&M at home. Well, we'll see where things stand at that point come November. But that'll be tough. Uh, Missouri, you know, South Carolina does not have good success typically against Missouri, but they can beat Missouri, and then they go to Clemson. So win those four that you should win and then find at least two others, Texas A&M and Missouri. Win those two because those are winnable right now until Texas A&M bows up with their new coaching staff and – I think Missouri has their quarterback back. They lose the running back. I give Missouri credit. He's done a heck of a job out there. But you got these two at home. Win those four. Win those two at home. There's your six wins. And then you go find yourself another win or two somewhere else, and you can have that that special season. So I kind of like the over for the Gamecocks. I like the over for Clemson. Again, um, not all that impressed around uh, the rest of the ACCs. I said going into the break, look out for NC State because I think Grayson McCall, um, if he's healthy, man, if they run the offense to his strengths, you know, he had that particular offense with Jamie Chadwell. Then Tim Beck came in, tried to make him more of a pro-style quarterback, which is probably good for his future. But he was hurt. He was hurt quite a bit last year. So get him healthy. Got a good head coach. They run a good offense at NC State. Um they could be very dangerous. They have good receivers and good running backs there. They could be very dangerous because I, I think Grayson McCall, obviously, look at, look at his numbers. He's a guy for his career that's completing, what, almost 80%, 70-some-odd percent of his passes in his career. So they could they could be dangerous. Florida State with Uyangalale, you know, Florida State recruiting well, hitting the transfer portal. They sort of got their swagger back. you, you got to consider them uh, as as a contender. In the ACC, once again, um, is Miami going to be a fraud? Are they going to be real this year? They've been a fraud. Every time you think they might be uh, getting better, uh, they turn out to be a fraud. Um, so, I mean, Clemson could still could still have the upper hand in the ACC uh, this coming season. That Georgia game will 
have a lot to say about what the Tigers do from a national standpoint. It won't knock them out of the playoffs if they lose that game. It won't put them in the playoffs if they win that game. But if they win that game, it will certainly put them in a much better position moving forward as as they look at the, the rest of the season. With this schedule that they have in 2024, um, Appalachian State can't take that one, you know, lightly. They'll come in, a good Sun Belt team, capable of beating you. You get NC State at home. I talked about them. You get Stanford at home. Been a bad football team in recent years. Been a bad football team. Should beat them. Got to go to Florida State. Okay, that'll be tough. Wake Forest, you know, that'll be Wake Forest. Are they going to be good? Is, is, is Wake Forest going to have one of those good years, one of those average years? Virginia, not very good, of course. Getting better, but not very good. Uh, Louisville, you know, they were really good. Good enough last year to uh, go to the ACC championship game. Like their coach, usually going to have a good quarterback and a good throwing game. At Virginia Tech, been a while since the Tigers played in Blacksburg. Always tough playing in Blacksburg at Pitt. And then um, the Citadel before they play uh, South Carolina. So um, that's a that's a, a schedule that Clemson can certainly do their damage against and, um, and get their 10-plus wins. No question about it. All right, last night for the Clemson basketball team, as we talked earlier with Brooks Thomason, uh, up and down game, but a strong finish for the Tigers. They uh, now have a three-game winning streak with NC State coming to Little John Coliseum Saturday nights. Here is some of what Coach Brad Brownell had to say after the game. Obviously, really fun second half. Uh, last 10 minutes, just uh, played unbelievable level. Uh, really happy for Chase. He's been working been shooting the ball extra for, you know, months really, and just for whatever reason hasn't been able to, to maybe be as fortunate. And tonight the good fortune followed him. All his hard work paid off, and um, certainly his shot making late was huge. Um, I thought we just kind of hung in there. Really proud of our team. You know, the game was. Thought we were playing pretty well. It's kind of one of those back and forth games early, and we had that little seven point lead and. Then we had a really bad stretch the last five minutes, um, and I thought we took some quick shots. And, and obviously, halftime was was it even or they're up one or whatever it was. And uh, you know, second half back and forth, and they they had that six point lead, and we had a little gut check time. But uh, thought we made a couple adjustments, helped our guys, and then they just made big plays down the stretch. And uh, fortunate to get a win. I, Give a lot of credit to our crowd. I want to thank them for their juice and energy tonight. We needed it. Uh, that's that's the kind of help that you need. You know, they called two timeouts because the crowd was roaring as we made a couple shots and um, trying to get it to settle back down. So, uh, again, thank our students and the, the fans that came to the game tonight. I think they made a big difference. Yeah, they did. A, they were packing it in, making it hard. Um, and we talked about that early in the in the first half that, you know, we're going to have to see some other things uh, and other guys are going to have to be shot ready. And we kind of knew that might happen. Um, so, yeah, that, you know, certainly there were shots available and, and, you know, Chase was really rolling. Ian made a huge three, I think, at the top of the key. Um, I thought our post did a better job in the second half. I thought we got – post got a little stagnant in the first half. Um, 
and we got them moving a little better, and, and uh, that helped us. Uh, so yeah, it was it was terrific. Yeah, um, I don't know that it was anything. You know, we've we've worked on our defense. Our defense, I've said this, and I think our numbers are probably skewed a little from a couple of bad games. I don't think we're as bad defensively as maybe what we look like in Ken Palm. Um, we're not as good as we want to be or, or maybe have been some years in the past. Um, I think our guys have been fighting and competing, and I think, when our bench plays well, I think that helps us on the defensive end because we got guys like Josh and RJ and Dylan, Chauncey, who, you know, those guys bring a level of athleticism to our team. And uh, that also keeps our starters a little bit, you know, uh, more fresh. And then that helps us late in games like tonight. How big is Jack McKee really big. Yeah, you know, we didn't have Jack in the first game. Um, and it just helps with matchups. It helps us when we need, you know, when when we need to play smaller. He can play some four. Uh, we can play three guards to match them, and you know, it, it just it changes our team a little bit. You know, we can play he and Wiggins together occasionally. Um, obviously, he can be the big three when he's playing with with Ian uh, or RJ. And so, his his six defensive rebounds. I think he had. You know, he had no turnovers. He had three assists. He had a great steal and layup. Made a three. Um, you know, there was one shot I didn't like, but I thought he played a really good game. And uh, and he's an older guy, so he's been through some things. And, um, you know, he was significant tonight. One of the things he did really well in those two big road wins was uh, avoiding turnovers. He had seven in the first half of the night, but just one in the second mm -hmm. Yeah, we, uh, you know, we've done a pretty good job most of the year. Obviously, Syracuse very poor um, but sometimes we we get going and and we're trying to play a little faster than we need to and it's you know everybody says throw it inside throw it inside and that's fine but you know it's those are those passes aren't as easy as some of just making passes around a perimeter sometimes and so there's going to be you know for every one you get in there or two that couple that you get in there you're going to have one that's not going to be an easy pass and if you don't make the right read or put it exactly where it needs to go, it's going to get deflected. And so, we, you know, that takes a real skill uh, to deal with that. We always have a couple of turnovers that way. But, um, you know, I feel like more times than not, we get it down there or create something because of our post play. A lot lately. Last, probably the last three weeks, um, it's been a lot. You know, they, they didn't practice – we were off Sunday. They didn't practice Monday. You know, you're getting them in and out a little bit on Tuesday. And, you know, it's funny. I thought at Syracuse a little bit. When you don't practice and then all of a sudden those dudes aren't exactly the quickest guys. And so now you're in a game with some high-level athletes and the game is going quick. If you haven't practiced, you're not quite used to it sometimes. And, uh, you know, but that's, that's kind of just where we are. They, they won't practice tomorrow. We'll do very little tomorrow, um, and they probably won't do very much on Friday just so they can have their legs for what will be a hard game against an athletic group at NC State on on Saturday. Speaking of NC State, you obviously <clears throat> met Ben Hill's work well. Yep. He's having a good season. Yeah. Um, 
with your bio. I don't know how much you've been able to see of them so far. Uh, I mean, I've seen them in spot time. I haven't. There have been a couple games where we've watched. Like, I watched some of their game for Miami. Um, yeah, Ben's doing a nice job, you know. I'm happy for Ben. Um, and he's a good player. And that's why we recruited him. And um, we're not surprised that, that he's helping their team uh, in the least. So, you know, I'll say hello to him right before the game. And then we'll both get go about the business of trying to win. All right, comments from Brad Brownell. About a week or so ago, well, more than a week, maybe two weeks ago, people were starting to get on his backside a little bit. He's feeling a lot better about things right now. Tigers on that three-game winning streak, chance to take it to four when they host NC State Saturday night at Little John. They announced a little over 7,000 fans last night for that game against uh, Miami, so it's a couple thousand short of capacity. I would think they'd pack it for NC State Saturday night. We'll be back. Don't go away. Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve. If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required. Hi, this is Lisa Hosteller-Brown. Do you know the difference between a revocable trust and an irrevocable trust? The difference could easily save you hundreds of thousands of dollars in long-term care costs. Visit LawyerLisa.com to schedule a consultation today. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. Daddy, you need a trust. Every lottery ticket purchase keeps education in our state moving forward. In fact, the lottery has raised more than $200 million for state school buses to get our students to school safely every day. Then, the lottery helps those students go even further in their education by funding the Life, Hope, and Palmetto Fellow Scholarships. So remember, when you play the lottery, you're keeping South Carolina students on the road to success. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. George Bryant here for Tsunami Bar Sports, and some say the fun is in the winning. I say the fun is in the training. And Tsunami Robbie, what do you say? George, we all know you get more done when you're having fun. This technology is different, it's engaging, but it's also a lot of fun to use. Hi, this is Phil Kornblut. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any Tsunami Bar order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. All right, time for the recruiting report here on Sports Talk, brought to you by Seawells. All right, Seawells tomorrow. You know what tomorrow is? Josh, you know what tomorrow is, don't you? It's not just Friday. It's a, it's a roast beef Friday. It's a roast beef Friday. Yeah. You're not even, uh, I don't hear you, you're not on the air. Oh, yeah, sorry about that. Go. There you go. Yeah, roast beef Friday. Gator Boy Jr. Go Gators. You got to look at that Gator shirt. 
for two chomp, hours. Chomp, chomp, chomp. Yeah, chomp, chomp. Okay. And they're playing a little better basketball. Up and down. Playing a little better. Uh, sea whales tomorrow for the daily luncheon buffet. It's a roast beef Friday. So make sure you get over there and enjoy a delicious lunch every day, Monday through Friday. Terrific buffet for only $14. Then, with spring and summer coming up, you know you got some important events. You need the very best in catering. All you got to do is call the folks at Seawells, 803-771-7385, online at SeawellsCateringSC.com. A few notes for you tonight, but they're important. Offensive tackle Juan Gaston of Atlanta has set an official visit to Oregon for June 21st. He's got Georgia on May 31st, and Hale McGranahan of the Big Spur reported he'll visit South Carolina on June the 7th. So teams are getting the 25 guys now lined up for those summer visits. Rock Hill wide receiver Malik Clark has set an official visit with South Carolina for May 31st. Safety Jordan Young has set an official visit with Clemson for May 31st. Wide receiver Cortel, uh, Cortez Wide receiver Cortez Mills, Homestead, Florida. He includes Clemson among his current favorites with Miami, Nebraska, LSU, and Penn State. Defensive tackle Christian Garrett of Bogart, Georgia. He named a top seven of Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Southern Cal. And Clemson target offensive tackle Zaire Addison out of Florida was offered by Southern Cal and by Rutgers. All right, there you go with some recruiting notes tonight. Brought to you by Seawells over in Knoxville, Tennessee. South Carolina got their hands full tonight. Tennessee is leading 20-19. 8 6 to go in the second quarter. It's usually about now the Gamecocks put in the high gear and take care of business. They are shooting 44% to 31%. Neither team... Um, can shoot threes. Tennessee's one for seven. The Gamecocks are one for two. Uh, Gamecocks are being out-rebounded 17 to 12. And they've given up 10 offensive rebounds, but only four second-chance points. The Gamecocks are outscoring Tennessee off the bench 12-0, but they're being matched pretty much in the paint 14 to 12. That's why this game is still tight at 20 and 20. Uh, The Gamecocks are being led by Watkins with six. And Cardosa has four. And Tennessee's being led by Jackson with seven and Powell with seven. So 20-20, 7.50 to go in the second quarter in Knoxville. Other basketball. Northeastern leads College of Charleston 30-25. Coastal Carolina leads Georgia Southern 17-16. Coming back with College of Charleston baseball coach Chad Holbrook right here on Sports Talk. All right, USC's up 22-20 on Tennessee, 455 to go in the opening half. Tennessee 0 for their last four, down to 27%. South Carolina's playing excellent defense, but not getting a whole heck of a lot of offense themselves, shooting 41%. And again, only one of three from three. Tennessee's only one of nine from three-point range. 
And the other story is rebounds. Gamecocks are being out-rebounded by four, uh, 20 to 16. So we'll see what happens from here. USC is up 22 to 20. In the meantime, is that Coach Holbrook by chance? No. Okay. He's not on yet. Okay. We're going to try and get Coach Chad Holbrook from the College of Charleston here momentarily. But last night, the USC men, of course, suffered a blowout loss at Auburn as they fell 101-60. to Obviously, their most lopsided – well, I shouldn't say obviously. Well, probably obviously their most lopsided loss of the season. That loss with Alabama wasn't quite by a 40-point margin. That was like 70-something to 40-something. Anyway, <coughs> their two trips into the state of Alabama very – very forgettable for uh, South Carolina. You know, they should forget about it and put it behind them and get ready for LSU this weekend. Here's some of what Coach Lamont Paris had to say after last night. When you have that combination. So um, they, played, they played some inspired, determined, intentional basketball um, in their energy, in their demeanor, uh, in their defensive effort. Um, and then they also played really well. I mean, they played really well, okay? They, they, they generated some good shots, sometimes on their own, sometimes for, for some errors that we made, but they went in. Those shots went in. Uh, and so it's, it was one of those days, and so it was going to look like that uh, when, when we played poorly and they played really well. They did. Got to give them a lot of credit, um, just making shots. I mean, guy goes one for three from the free throw line with an air ball, and he makes four for five three pointers. So, so that kind of day. Yeah, coach, what is it that that Auburn did so well tonight that maybe you didn't necessarily prepare for, or something that you didn't nothing, know they nothing could do? that we didn't prepare for. That's not. I mean, we prepared really hard. We're twenty. How many games into this? Okay, so we prepared. Uh, but they made a lot of shots. Um, and their pressure bothered us at times. We still were one point per possession. It was not the Mona Lisa for us offensively. But at one point while we were still statting it, we still were at one point per possession offensively, which gener- generally generates enough offense for us to, to win or have a good chance to win once our defense sinks in. So, but uh, some of our ball screen coverages were, were off, and then they took advantage of them. Uh, and, and, you know, loose ball in front of our bench. We dive on it, don't get it. It squirts up to them, and they shoot a three right in front of our bench. I mean, there were a lot of plays like that, um, but they're a good defensive team. That's no secret. I think their pressure bothered us to some degree. Um, but again, I, we were at one point per possession throughout a large majority of the game. We just the biggest thing we just were not generate. I mean, we don't give up a hundred points like that. I mean, not in not in one game. Coach, would you say their defense was the reason for the maybe a, a stagnant look on offense? I mean, during your winning streak, the ball really moved, a lot of assists, a lot yeah. of cuts to the basket. Was it? Was it something just in the performance of the offense or just what their defense was doing? Yes, I mean, some of, it, some of it was their defense. They were taking things away, catches and whatnot. They were taken away. Um, and so when you do that, you have to it, – it, it's to your benefit to play in transition. 
you know, you look at you look at games like Missouri, right? You don't play against Missouri and run your favorite play ten times, and that's what gets it done against Missouri. They play defense in a way that that's not what you do. Um, but when you don't get stops, it's hard to play in transition. So then you're coming down against a set defense and you're trying to make an entry versus coming down off of a miss, scramble mode, matchups aren't necessarily the way that you want them. Someone's going to have an advantage, step-up screens, drag screens, all that stuff is happening in transition. And I think most people would agree that's a good time to do that stuff. But when you're taking the ball out of the net, it's hard to get into transition at all. You talked after the Alabama game that that was maybe the only time this year you've seen this team struggle offensively and have that kind of carry over to defense. Do you feel like that happened tonight where things maybe were snowballing mentally or one side tried translating to the other like that? Mm, not as much, I don't think. I mean, even at one point when a team plays like that, as a player, you're trying to get out of the half in the first half, right? Halftime can't get there quick enough. And you can get back and you can lick your wounds and you can do a couple things and that happens. That's normal. Um, but but in the second half, we made it. We we fought particularly early in the second half. We made a good push. We didn't make a couple of plays. We cut it to I don't know sixteen or seventeen, whatever it was at the time. I thought we played okay. You know, honestly, I was I had no issues with what we were doing, other than we weren't finishing some plays off. We attacked to the rim. They blocked it. You know, we weren't finishing some plays off. But we were much more aggressive. We were much more like us. I would say during that during that stretch, even on both sides of the ball. Um, but we got a couple stops during that stretch too, and uh, so I don't think it was. And then at some point, it's the snow. This, the, the 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 snowballs turned into you know, a really big snowball, and yeah, it's hard to it's hard to fight the same. That's why. All right, comments of Lamont Paris from last night as the Gamecocks take it on the chin. Their seven-game losing uh, winning streak comes to an end. Big way, big loss at uh, Auburn. Just a moment, Coach Chad Holbrook will join us from the College of Charleston. want to mention, too, that the South Carolina Football Hall of Fame announced today their new inductees, former Clemson running back Terry Allen, uh, Ben Coates, played in the NFL for a, a long time. Where did he play college ball, Ben Coates? Um, have to look that up. Uh, Harold Green, former USC running back. Stump Mitchell, former star running back at the Citadel. And the great coach, Jimmy Satterfield, both on the college level and the high school level. That's the class of 2023. I'm getting Patriots. Yeah, I know he played with the Patriots, but where did he play? His, his, he's from Greenwood, I believe, and um, got to look up where he played his college ball. So, oh, okay, okay. We'll do that in a minute. Let's welcome in Coach Chad Holbrook because baseball season is upon us, and we've talked to uh, several coaches this week from – uh, Coach Backage to Coach Kingston to Coach Gilmore, and now Coach Chad Holbrook as he prepares to take the Cougars of the College of Charleston into another season, and he joins us now from Charleston. Got a four-game series with Marshall coming up to open up the season. And first of all, Coach, thank you for joining us. Great having you with us once again. Well, Phil, it's always great to be on your show and talk to you, and uh Often means that we got a big game or or opening of a big season right around the corner. So I'm I'm glad to talk to you tonight. Or an NCAA tournament appearance. <laughs> well, we're we're uh, we're excited about about getting started, and hard to believe that it's opening day. Uh, it's all season really quickly, and um, so we're 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 fired up a bit about getting cranked up. Uh, a, a day like today, man, you'd like to play too, wouldn't you? It's beautiful across the state. What, which way was the wind blowing down there? 
<laughs> it's blowing out today. We had a few. We looked good in BP today, so I hope that gives our guys some confidence. We we hit a b- bunch of homers today in batting practice. Some days that wind's coming off the water down here. So it's hard to hit it out of the infield. So hmm. who knows what it'll do tomorrow? But the weather looks great. It was a great Charleston day today, and uh, it looks like the weather's going to be great for an opening day tomorrow. So when you talk about your team, you talk about your offense. You got uh, Cole Mathis, uh, a guy getting a lot of preseason acclaim. Uh, you kind of build things around him, and and uh, you know what do you expect out of him this year? Well, he's a good player. That's doing it mildly. He's a great player. Yeah. I mean, if he was if he was playing in the SEC or ACC, he'd be in the right in the middle of those lineups too. Hitting, he, he's that good, and you know he had an incredible summer in the Cape Cod League, and. He's you know, projected to be a, a potential first-round draft pick this June. So he, he's a he's a he's a great hitter and a great player. And um, you know, we're going to put him in the middle of our lineup, and hopefully, we've got to get enough good enough hitters around him so they can't pitch around him every time. And um, but he's he's gifted, and he's he's a great kid. Works extremely hard, and uh, lucky he's on our team. And, and I have a feeling he'll have a great season. Will he also pitch again this year? Well, he's been great pitching now. He 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 he's, he's got a mid nineties fastball and a, and, a, and a great breaking ball. He's had a little uh, elbow tenderness, um, you know, in the preseason. So we're going to monitor that very closely. It's not something that's going to take him off the field or prevent him from hitting or play first base. Um, so we're going to be very careful with it. Obviously, he's positioned himself. He's a legitimate two way player, but he's positioned himself to be uh, one of the elite hitters in the country, and that's where the professional scouts see his future so I don't want to do anything to get in the way of that so we'll monitor it you know on a, on a week by week or, or you know month by month basis depending on how he's feeling but right now this weekend he's going to focus on hitting for sure so how do you protect him in your lineup well you know we got a couple of real fast guys we got a kid named Darian Pendergrass who was one of the top players in the state and in 2021 when he graduated from high school when he had an incredible career at SMC and a great summer this past summer with the Lexington Blowfish. Uh, he's an exciting player. Actually, was at the University of South Carolina uh, his freshman year. He's he's terrific. So hopefully, um, he's one of those kids that steal a lot of bases, very very fast, always on base. Um, so hopefully, we can put uh, Darian in front of Cole and uh, force the pitching staff to to pitch to Cole because if you if you so a lot of off-speed pitches with Darren Pendergrass on the on the base pass. He'll he'll steal two bases in a hurry. So hopefully, uh, you know, Darren can get on base, set the table for Cole, and force uh, force our opponents to have to pitch to him. And we got some good hitters behind him as well. Trotter Harlan was an All-Conference player here and State Player of the Year in South Carolina the year he graduated from high school back in 2020, I believe. Um, he's he's a he's maybe 2019. He's a he's a he's been a great hitter for us. Luke Woods been an All-Conference player. And Kevin Madden was a third baseman at South Carolina and saw some time at South Carolina the, the past couple of years. And, and he's had a good preseason camp for us. And uh, we, feel like, we feel like we've got some big, strong guys around Cole. And uh, hopefully the fast guys can get on base in front of them and make our opponents pitch to him. You know, as I look at <clears throat> excuse me, your roster for this year, I see a few names from guys who played in that outstanding program at Florence Darlington Tech. And right. they have a really good team, really good program. And uh, what about, you know, that program and, and the guys you're getting from there and, and how well prepared they are to step up and play at your level? Well, well Preston McDonald, the head coach at Florence, does, does such a great job. He coaches them. Um, they come in well prepared to play Division One baseball. They're not 
you know, there's they don't blink. I mean, they're they're terrific competitors. We've had a lot of great success, even when I was in South Carolina uh, from Florence Darlington uh, Tag. I remember John Taylor was a great pitcher for us in, in Columbia that was uh, helped us on those national championship teams. He was a he was a Florence Darlington kid. We had a few others as well. But down here, our pitching coach Will Dorton uh, coached with Preston a couple years uh, before he came to the College of Charleston. He's very familiar with that program and how they do things, and it's just been a great fit. Um, you know, our starting shortstop tomorrow is from Florence Darlington for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, our closer is a, a kid named Davis Aiken, who probably is a Florence Darlington kid as well. And uh, we've had numbers, a number of those guys over the years. You know, they just come in well prepared and hardened and ready to compete and ready to play, and and uh, they're a joy to coach for sure. Well, they're used to winning and they're used to right. winning big yeah. and going and, and playing in the national tournament out in uh, where, what are they out in Colorado? I yeah, think Grand it is Junction, Grand Junction, yeah. Colorado. Yeah, yeah, and and that's a good thing. I mean, when you expect that when you get a bunch of players out there that expect to win that have always done their whole life is win. That certainly uh, you know gives you a leg up you know on the game that you're playing that day and. Uh, we hope to put a bunch of guys on the field this year that expect to win, and hopefully they'll play well. I'm excited about this team, um, you know, and they've got some unproven guys and some new faces and some young freshmen that we're really high on as well. But uh, you don't know much about those freshmen until you put them in a game, in a Division One game. And while they've been great in practice, sometimes you uh, you learn a lot more about them when you put them in a game. And I'm excited about doing that tomorrow as well. For sure. Talking with Chad Holbrook, head baseball coach at the College of Charleston. Uh, we went over your rotation for this weekend, so and once again, I'll mention these guys. Uh, you got uh, Jake Brink, you got uh, Aiden Hunter, and you've got uh, Connor Campbell. I believe Hayden didn't he pitch? I'm sorry, Aiden didn't he pitch at South Carolina? Yeah, he pitched at South Carolina out of high school, and actually pitched in, the, in, in uh, South Carolina's weekend rotation uh, his freshman year. Um, he's he's a he's he's got a much better, and he's. Much more polished. He's got a lot of experience under his belt. So we're excited to give him the ball on Saturday. Jake Brink is a sophomore that's extremely uber-talented and, and, and a draft-eligible sophomore that is climbing the climbing the professional scouts rankings as we speak. Uh, he's, a, he's a very gifted very gifted kid. And, uh, and Connor Campbell's been a mainstay in our weekend rotation for the last three years. And uh, he's another Florence Darlington kid that we feel great about giving the ball. All he does is win and keep us in games. So those three guys have big-time experience, and Jake's a great talent. Aiden's got SEC experience and pitched at a very, very high level for us last year, and Connor's been great. So we feel feel great about our weekend rotation, and uh, we got some unproven guys in the bullpen, but we feel great about their talent as well. You hit 47 home runs last year. Then, um, I mean, before that, I think the year before, like you guys hit a ton of home runs. Um, why the drop off last year? Do you expect the long ball to be more in play for you guys this year? I mean, I'll be honest with you, Phil. It depends on what the wind's doing. Yeah. I mean, and I don't. I'm not saying that uh, as an excuse. We had the same, essentially, the same team and the same players from the last two years, and the home run differential was obviously very apparent. A very, you know. It was, there was a lot of difference there, mm-hmm. uh, but it was the same hitters. And, and the conditions here are much different uh, depending on the weather. And now that, you know, the balls are a little bit different, the bats are a little bit different, home runs are hard to come by. We obviously have a turf field now, uh, so the speed is, the speed of the, the game is, is, is heightened a little bit. So we need to be able to bunt. The short game stuff is important. Stealing bases is important, especially on days that the game, uh, you know, 
warrants that, and you're not going to be able to hit home runs if the wind's blowing in. So you got to be able to win uh, with the home run, and we hope we've got some big, powerful guys that can hit them. But if there's days in which, like you're playing in Hoover, Alabama, and you just can't hit a home run, you got to still find a way to win. And, uh, and I hope we got enough speed guys and guys that can handle the bat that can, uh, you know, win, win when the wind's blowing in as well. But it's a, it's a the, the climate here is much different than a lot of places. You just it, the park can play very small one day, and then four hours later play extremely big. And uh, and and you know sometimes you just don't know. You just gotta you just gotta play your best baseball and. Uh, pitch it and play defense and that's what it comes down to at the end of the day can you throw strikes and play defense behind the pitcher and if you do those things you have a chance to win sure so 36 wins last year and for a while there i mean it, it really looked good for the ncaa tournament for you um which came up short um right what about this year's team you see this team getting you into the tournament into the postseason somewhere so we certainly have the talent to do it you know our, our league is sneaky good phil and and you know, last year when we were participating in our conference tournament, you know, our, our RPI as a conference was six. So, you know, it was the Power Five, and then we were the next, we were the next conference. Mm-hmm. Um, I think our RPI finished at seventh, but for a large part of the year we were six. And then we add Campbell to this year's uh, conference Ooh, slate. Yeah. Um, you know, and and they've been a top twenty-five team. And, Northeastern's a preseason top 25 team, and UNC Wilmington's going to be very good, and we feel good about our team. So there's a lot of good teams in our league. Uh, we're going to have to play extremely well. Do, do we have the talent to play in the postseason? I think absolutely we do, but we got to go play well, and, and uh, i got to try to coach them well, and hopefully we'll put it together and have a great season. Well, look, I mean, <clears throat> 36 wins last year. Uh, you go back through your time there, 36 and 18, 36 and 19, of course the COVID year. 21, <clears throat> everybody struggled, 27 wins, and then uh, 37. 2022, you went 37 and 20, 19 and 5 in your league. And, of course, the, right. the tournament had to be the, the big disappointment for you there because you, you, you clearly were the, were the best team in the league. You just didn't play right. well in your tournament. Yeah, we, we've been consistently really strong in, in our league. And uh, we hadn't won, you know, we've had a couple bad games in our, in our tournament. I'll be the first to say. And sometimes the margin for error in a mid-major league is, is you don't have much. You can't have a bad day. You know, you can, you can have a solid year in the SEC and you go to Hoover and not play well and, and you can still win the national championship as we did in 2010 and 2011. You know, if you don't play well in our conference tournament, you're not getting in, you're not getting in the NCAA tournament. So we gotta, we got to play our best baseball when it matters the most, and uh, hopefully we'll do that this year. We certainly feel like we're talented enough, but there's a, there's a number of good teams in our league, like I said earlier, and uh, uh, we're going to play, we're gonna play, have to play a very high level of, of Division One baseball here to beat some of the teams that we're matched up against. Well, we wish you uh, wind blowing out when you're at the <laughs> at the plate, uh, but uh, and wind blowing in when you're in the field. But uh, hey, we thank you as always. It's always great talking to you. Um, have a great season. We'll be in touch and have you on yeah. the program, of course, and uh, and see if you can um, get these guys deep into deep into June. That's where you want to be. Deep into well, June. I, yeah, no doubt. I hope like crazy we'll play well enough where you won't be on your show uh, throughout the baseball season. And I'm optimistic about our team, but we got to go out and show that we're pretty good. And I'm, I'm excited to what we find out tomorrow and over the course of 56 games. So hey. I really appreciate you, Phil, having me on, and uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll see you soon. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Always great talking to you. All right, Phil. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay, Chad Holbrook from down at the College of Charleston.
And uh, good luck to them. They open up with four against Marshall. Then <clears throat> three against Youngstown State. Then three against Nebraska. And then they play Liberty. And then a weekend against Penn. They'll play four games against Penn. Charleston Southern, then three against Wofford, Georgia Southern. Then they get to their conference play with three against North Carolina A&T. So they're going to spend a lot of time at home. Everybody wants to come to Charleston in uh, March, February, March to play baseball. They don't go. They don't leave Patriots Point. Let's see. <clears throat> they don't leave Patriots Point until, holy cow, March 19th, their first their first road game will be against uh, Georgia Southern on a Tuesday. And then their league opener, North Carolina A&T, and that's going to be at home for those three games. Okay, thanks to Chad Holbrook. Uh, let's update a couple of things in basketball. Gamecocks are down at the half. Have they trailed anybody at the half this year? Probably not. A team that's winning by an average of 35 points a game. They are down 28-25. So, <clears throat> where's this game on ESPN? They're probably loving it. People will tune in to watch this second half to see if the Gamecocks are going to fall at the hands of the Vols. 28-25, Tennessee is leading. Uh, Tennessee's leading despite shooting 31%. Gamecocks have turned it over nine times, and that's resulted in eight points. They've only turned Tennessee over five times for four points. Getting beat on the boards, 27-23. And... Tennessee's had 12 offensive rebounds for only four second-chance points. So they're getting they're getting the rebounds, but they're not putting it back in the hoop. So some of those numbers are not uh, typical for South Carolina, <clears throat> the way they've played this season. Of course, 25 points and a half, they usually score that in a quarter. So we'll see if uh, Dawn Staley can light a fire under her girls and with the fams there in Knoxville, <clears throat> see if they can get this turned around. Ashlyn Watkins has eight points to lead South Carolina. And um saw another interesting stat here. Where was it? Where'd it go? Um, Johnson has not scored, but she's got eight rebounds. But um, they need her to score. They typically get some points out of her. <clears throat> Cordosa has seven points and five rebounds. Other basketball tonight. College of Charleston has come from behind, and now they lead Northeastern at the break up in Boston, 43-38. Coastal Carolina at the break is leading Georgia Southern, 39-30. Radford will play Winthrop tonight. That game's going to tip at 8 o'clock on ESPNU. Uh, so there you go. Those are some of the, uh, the top basketball games around here. Northwestern is leading Rutgers in the Big Ten, 42 42- 39. Also in the Sun Belt, Appalachian. Ooh, Appalachian is leading Marshall. Of course, Appalachian is the best team in the league at 10 and 2, leading Marshall 57 to 48. All right, that'll do it for uh, tonight. Looking forward to a big Friday night here on Sports Talk. We'll look ahead to the weekend of basketball. We'll look ahead to the uh, Daytona 500. Jeff Owens returns to Sports Talk with his NASCAR insight uh, tomorrow night. Uh, George Bryan will be with us for birdies and bogeys. And Kerry Tharp, the commander, KT, the new co-general manager at the Darlington Country Club. We're going to talk golf with KT.
tomorrow night instead of NASCAR. That'll be kind of fun. And uh, we'll have a bunch of other good stuff, and who knows what will happen news-wise tomorrow. So make sure you're with us tomorrow night right here on Sports Talk. Uh, Thank you, Josh, and we'll see you tomorrow.